This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode 22 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Pat. I'm Andy. And I'm Eddie. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Twenty-two and feeling not blue, feeling happy. We are happy. How are you guys? I am excellent. Wonderful. I'm doing well. My neck's a little stiff. I cranked it trying to mow the lawn. I talked about this. You know you're getting old when you oh. injure yourself. It's the dad part of paranormal dads, man. Welcome to the mundane. Yep. Yeah, starting the mower, tweaked my neck. But it's an electric mower. Well, Which, when you get to be our age, you get excited about things like that. Yeah, I replaced the mower that injured me with an electric mower. And, uh, yeah. Now, I do start my lawnmower with my neck. Do you guys do that? Like I, <laughs> Generally. Yeah. I bite the cord, and then I just start pulling it like a dog. <laughs> Try to start the mower. That's what they recommend you do at Toro, don't they? Right? That's rather unorthodox. That'd be a fun gag to go to, like, to go to like Sears. Is Sears still around, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They're in... Uh... I think they're on their way out. But like, like ask to test drive the mower and just put your teeth on the pull handle and start. <laughs> start <laughs> they call the nearest mental health facility. We got a live one. We got a paranormal dad trying to start a lawnmower with his mouth, <laughs> with his neck. <laughs> so yeah, my neck's a little tweaked, but otherwise, I am glad to be here with my paranormal homeboys. Here we are. Well, my neck's feeling pretty good right now, so I, I have no complaints. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's good to be back, episode twenty-two. There's something really uh, symmetrical about this number twenty-two. I like it. I like it. It's my birthday. Twenty twenty-second. Twenty-second. There you go. So really it's lucky. Uh, I'm kind of fond of that number. And you've had some experience, Andy, with some number stuff, right? Isn't is is when numbers repeat like that? Is yeah, that a- man? I mean, you know, I just get a lot of feedback from my clients and and people writing in and stuff. A lot of people find signs and synchronicity and personal and spiritual significance and. In numbers, uh, oftentimes it's the 222 and the 333 and the 1111. You know, people claim to every time they look at the clock, they see that number and they take it as, you know, a wink from the universe or, a, you know, a sign from their deceased grandmother, something like that. But I don't know. There's just something about 22. I like it. I think this is going to be a good episode. Um, and it was good to be back last episode 21. We had the three of us, all the key players back for right. the first time in a long time. So we're going to keep the momentum rolling here. And, uh, Start the show like we always do with recent sightings, and and uh, Eddie, you've got this one. I do. So this takes us across the pond, everyone. So get your tickets, practice your British accents. <laughs> Jolly ho, Roger. See. <laughs> oh, mine, mine kind of fades out from Australian yes, to Australian. English to Irish. I'm all over the place. Exactly. I butcher it. So, uh, But we're going to be discussing a little bit of things that happened in a town called Cornwall, England. <laughs> and laugh all you want. Get your chuckles out now. <laughs> what were you saying earlier, Pat, whenever anytime people will ask you to play that game Cornhole? Cornhole. It's like, just the name just... 
bothers me. And, like, and no thanks. It's like no, I'm not. No, I don't want to play that game. <laughs> it's a beanbag game, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, they yeah. just call it's it beanbags. Bean the right. safer call name is beanbags. Bag. But see, even that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something about cornhole just sounds Corn, wrong yeah. to me. Well, I I'm not from the Midwest, so when I'm when I moved here, someone had invited me to a game of cornhole, and I literally was like, "What?" Like, that was my first response. So anyway, this is a town called Cornwall. So it's a wall of corn, if you will. Sounds delicious. Pass the butter. Yeah, right? Don't get it too hot. It'll become popcorn wall. <laughs> good, good, good point. Can't, can't have that. Get the movies going. What kind of paranormal stuff they have going on there? So within Cornwall, they had a similar type of movement politically, kind of like how we did with the Freedom of, of Information Act uh, within England, where they called it something different. Look it up. I can't do all your work for you, people. You know, British, they always call something different, right? But right. The, idea, the idea of it, it's, it's a form of, yeah, for them it's called, uh, no, they called it the Freedom of Information Act. So there you go. It's the same oh, thing. Okay. <laughs> Keep it simple. Keep it simple, man. And so they, uh, this town had a similar thing. And so within the Freedom of Information Act, some of the stuff that got released was reports of paranormal activity in the town of Cornwall. Oh, yeah. And it just jumped out to me as interesting. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen here, but it's fun to see what's going on around the world, paranormally speaking as well. So in this town, it, it's a small town apparently, and... They had 13 reported cases of paranormal activity. And out of the investigated uh, cases, they, they found six of those cases were not. It's a small town, super small. But they did find, um, I, I don't want to say super small, but a fairly small town. But some of the reports involved vampires drinking their own blood... Nice. Ghosts trying to get inside of a house, which it seems to me like ghosts wouldn't have trouble getting into a house. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a uh, zombies in the street, and also the case of a ghost stealing someone's chips, which I believe over there is French fries. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you were going to just talk about like tables moving and weird surveillance anomalies. Like this is weird stuff. No, no, this is legit. Um, so there is one thing that there was reported that they did not, they weren't able to uh, figure out. There was a case of a four pack of beer that had been <laughs> mysteriously flew across an aisle in a Penzance co-op in Queens Square and was captured on the security footage. That's because the ghost wanted to be a six-pack and found it too yeah. short. Was like, ah, yeah. yeah, the heck with this. I'd be grumpy too. Yeah. The, the exact quote is, George, quotes, uh, quotes, George the ghost, as he was called by staff, had inexpensive tastes. A four-pack of Stella Artois had been <laughs> captured on video, inexplicably flying off the shelf into an aisle. So there's there's uh, reports of this. I I'll do a little bit of research, see if I can't find uh, video of that. But there is video of a of a four pack of Stella Artois flying across a uh, uh, grocery store aisle across the, the store. Yeah. Um, vampires drinking their own blood. Uh, would that be considered cannibalism? Right. Because it's your own blood, is it not? Well, cannibalism would be anybody's blood, right? right. I mean, any other human's blood. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a specific reference to drinking your own blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it. And in some of those... Of course, we, we need been... to be careful where we go with this. This could get ugly real quick. <laughs> well, there's... I mean, this is all pulled from films, but I mean, you've seen like the scenes of vampires like biting other vampires oh, sure. and yeah. stuff like that. Lord knows. But I do think the ghost stories are particularly kind of interesting. Um, 
So, and, and it is interesting, and I'll, I'll put this little link up on our, on our uh, show notes, but there are several cases of just odd paranormal activity that was reported in this town, uh, Cornwall. Um, incidentally, as we were talking about this town in England, we were kind of also like behind the scenes talking about like England in general, and um, we, we brought the song up, Salisbury Hill, and it's funny because I was thinking there was a paranormal connection with the song, but there's actually apparently not. But Salisbury Hill does have some paranormal history to it. Uh, UFO sightings and some other type of events like that as well. So, uh, yeah, I would imagine David Bowie probably would be right along Peter Gabriel in, in celebrating Salisbury Hill because he was a big... Uh, UFO guy. Oh man! Like there, we heard last week in the in the pop the, and paranormal. I mean, the, the um, par- paranormal lifestyles of the rich and famous. What a fun segment! Yeah. Uh, if there was two pop stars who were going to be flying around in a UFO, you know it'd be Peter Gabriel and David Bowie, for sure. Well, and I, I love these uh, references back, you know, to to England. You think of any place in Europe, they have thousands of years of history of paranormal happenings. As opposed to the U.S., we just have a few hundred, you know. And, and that's what I was thinking, too. It's like that that country is so old and has yeah. so many old buildings and, and just it it and so much history history to it. Obviously, there's a lot that's gone on there and there's there's probably all kinds of uh, vibes to be to be had, you know, for ghosts and, and things of that nature. But also even UFOs. Uh, yeah. England has a pretty strong UFO history as well. They're still finding new hinges there. Like they're they're uncovering new and more and more like stone circles even to this day. Oh, like hundreds and thousands. Like Stonehenge kind of hogs the the limelight obviously, but yeah, there's 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 mounds, there's circles, there's circles within circles. There's like yeah, there's all sorts of hinges. Going back to that recent sighting though, you said one of the reports Cornwall. was Cornwall, not to be confused with cornhole. Yes. There was a ghost who couldn't get into a house? Yeah, a what? ghost trying to get into a house. So the I, the report was that there was there was a, an apparition that looked to be just kind of circling a home. It wasn't going into the home, but it was kind of like going up to the doors and going away. But it was a kind of a transparent-looking figure, and it was captured on some night camera footage. Did they have a no soliciting sign next to their doorbell? That must have been what it was. You know, <laughs> they just had the whole house just lined in like, you know, <laughs> salt. Isn't it salt that keeps out like bad vibes? Right, yeah. yeah. Apparently, yeah. I was on a paranormal investigation back in uh, February or March in Missouri, and we brought our four-year-old daughter, Sky along. Well, she was three at the time, and yeah, she's outside holding a big old tub of salt making a circle around this trailer <laughs> it's yes. like great parenting dad of the yeah. year there yeah salt apparently for whatever reason as opposed to pepper who knows why right salt is supposed to you know repel the the evil presences and cross, yeah. cross the, the barrier they're right. like i gotta watch yeah. my sodium man. But it's just yeah it's just salt <laughs> like why what's so scary about salt you know, pick it up and put it on your Cornwall. <laughs> put it on your Cornwall. <laughs> your hot buttered Cornwall. But but yeah, I'll put this article up, but there's just this small town in England that apparently experiences this, ju- this rash of uh, paranormal activity in this pocket of time and uh, only recently got announced through this release of information. So it's kind of exciting. I wonder if people there are more open-minded or if it truly is just a hotbed of activity in general. Or just ghosts that just don't like 
Stella Artois. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I, I like a good Stella ever so often. What the heck? <laughs> they come in a four pack, apparently. Though apparently huh? a four pack. I didn't know. <laughs> Moder- moderation. Europeans you shouldn't believe be in wasting moderation. beer, ghost. It's bad luck. <laughs> that was that was a unique uh, recent sightings, Eddie. Thanks for that one. Ah, across the pond. It's time for pop culture and the paranormal. Pop culture and the paranormal. So uh, most people have heard of uh, 1950s heartthrob James Dean. Ooh, <laughs> that was my heartthrob. Hey Stella, was he a Stella guy? Wasn't or was that, that somebody else? That was. Um, nah, it's from somebody else. That was um, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Oh. Stella. <laughs> Speaking of Stella Artois, I don't know my 1950s movies. I'm gonna throw that beer across the grocery store aisle. Stella. <laughs> well, I don't know if James Dean likes Stella Artois or not, but. He, uh, famous actor, uh, handsome dude, died young. Yeah. Uh, crashed and burned, uh, quite literally. Uh, dude was into cars, fast cars. Um, ironically, you know, he, he died in a car accident driving a Porsche. But uh, ironically, just a week before that, um, he was in, in a commercial or some sort of advertisement about safe driving. No uh, way. Really? Because the next person's life that you might save could be your could own. Be oh, no yes. way. And so he uh, he died in a car crash in 1955, I believe it was uh, in California. He uh, he met up with um, I'm drawing a blank. You guys would know who played Obi Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. Alec Guinness. Yes. So he met with him. He got he got a car. It was a Porsche 550 Spider, and that's the car that he died in. And when he got the car, he was uh, with good old Mister Obi Wan Kenobi. Really? Who met with him, and and he he said to James Dean, he says, "If you get in this car, you'll be dead within a week." A week later, he died in a car accident Whoa. in that car. So you talk about a prophecy or a intuition. Was a the wizard. force was with him. That's right. That's right. So uh, this segment is actually about the the alleged curse behind James Dean's car, uh, and the continuing uh, hex that it's caused anyone who had anything to do with it after James Dean's death. Whoa. So uh, what happened is after filming uh, the movie called Rebel Without a Cause, um, James Dean had upgraded from the, it was a Porsche 356 to a Porsche 550 Spider. Um, so he, he called upon uh, George Barris, uh, who was, a, he specialized in customizing cars. And uh, so he gave the car uh, what's called tartan seats, uh, racing stripes, um and uh plastered the number 130 on its doors hood and engine cover the car was uh, affectionately named L- the little bastard Ooh. um and so on September 23rd 1955 uh here it is so he met uh Alec Guinness and he said yeah if you get in that car you'll be found dead within a week came true um so after the accident um George Barris, the car expert, purchased the basically the carcass, the shell of the vehicle for twenty five hundred, and uh, soon after it slipped off of its trailer uh, as it was being uh, hauled off, and it broke a mechanic's uh, broke a mechanic's leg in the process. And mm. not long after, Barris sold the engine and the drivetrain to a guy named Troy McHenry and another person, William uh, Eskrid, and the two uh, were both racing against one another and cars that had parts from James Dean's car. And the driver uh, named McHenry lost control and hit a tree, killing him instantly. And the other guy was seriously injured when his car suddenly locked up and rolled while going into a turn. 
Um, so Barris, uh, the car expert, still had two tires from the original Porsche 550 that were untouched uh, during James Dean's accident. And so he took those and uh, he uh, sold them. And then not long after he sold them, both uh, tires blew out simultaneously, causing the new uh, owner's car to run off the road. Uh, so Barris had kept the car in his possession uh, and he, he sold some of the parts to... Uh, because uh, he was going to sell the parts, and then they caught the attention of two would-be thieves. One of the thieves who was trying to break in to take the parts uh, tore his arm open trying to steal the steering wheel uh, from the from the vehicle, and the other one was injured uh, trying to move the the blood-stained seat. I guess he wanted it as a souvenir or something. <laughs> and it just it goes on and on, dude. I mean, uh, let's see. So Barris uh, later decided to hide the car. Um, but was uh, convinced by the California Highway Patrol to lend uh, the, the cursed heap of wreckage to a highway safety exhibit, kind of like as a reminder to be safe out there. What not to do. <clears throat> what not to do. So the first exhibit was unsuccessful as the garage that housed it caught fire and burnt to the <laughs> ground. But oddly, the car suffered no damage in the fire. What? Yeah. That's weird. That car's evil. Gives you goosebumps, huh? I guess it's a theft deterrent, though. <laughs> and then the next exhibit that was that it was supposed to appear at was uh, supposed to be at a local high school, but that ended abruptly when the car fell off its display and broke the hip of a student. Oh, oh my gosh. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> so I think they chose the name right, calling the car the little bastard, huh? <clears throat> wow. Um, so then later, the car was being transported when the truck carrying the car lost control and caused the driver to fall out and got crushed by the car as oh. it fell off the back of the truck. Um, the car fell off two more transport trucks while traveling on the freeway. Uh, fortunately, those incidents didn't injure anyone. Uh, eventually, people said enough is enough, <laughs> and uh, they wanted to transport the car back to Barris, um, and in the process, the car went missing and has never been seen since. Really? It, it sprouted legs and walked off into the mountains. <laughs> uh, as legend has it, um, some people speculate that a single piece of the original James Dean car uh, is at the Historic Auto Attractions Museum in Illinois, uh, but no one's no one's brave enough to go there no and actually verify that. <laughs> Can you blame them? Guy goes blind looking at it. Ah. Yeah. So is it the car that is cursed and it's the first person it killed was James Dean, or is it James Dean died in the car and James Dean stayed with the car and caused all this chaos because he's a rebel without a cause? Oh, good one, you Pat. Know, I, it's a good question. It, it's a good question. I mean, he's a killer without a cause. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's uh, you know that he was is... he was an actor. You know, I'm not saying that he was a killer, but. It's, well, no, it's kind mean, of like, a what what comes first, you know, the, curse the evil car or, or nothing the, that the, I found. The James Dean ghost that right. wants to kill people. Was it the curse <laughs> that killed him or was he the curse? Was yeah. he the curse? And all the research that I did, uh, there's not many people that believe he is the 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 He's origin the of the curse. They think it's the physical car itself that was that's just hexed. cursed and yeah. anything, anyone who touched it. Paid what, for it. What is it about that? I mean, the, the crumpled hunk of metal. Like, how many 
transport trucks did it slip off of and who's anchoring these things, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, just put some bungee cord around it. It'll be fine. Just don't go above 30. Okay. I, I taped it on, like you said. Well, <laughs> it's taped on. It was the 50s, and I'm sure OSHA wasn't too worked up just yet about how you transport your cars. You know it's some guy. If, if it fits on the flatbed, it's good. Looks good to me. <laughs> parking brake on? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's like the United States Postal Service. If it, if it fits, it ships, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> It's inside, isn't it? I mean, it'd be cool to have a a piece, like a steering wheel or a pedal or something from that vehicle, but hearing all that, I wouldn't touch that. Uh, No way. I wouldn't want to even go see it in the museum. Nope. Like you said, there's people who are fascinated by having this. I mean, it's like after the second time it does something, it's like, this car's bad news, man. Yeah. It's, it's, It's crazy. And the more something like that happens, the bigger the myth gets with it. Like the story gets like... It transcends itself. Right. There, there's more and more things that you can attribute to this car. But now that its whereabouts are unknown. I have a theory. I, th- I bet parts of it are in Jay Leno's garage. Oh. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. He's got quite a collection. So moral of the story, if anything happens to Jay Leno, you heard it, you heard it first here on Paranormal Dads. Right. And I wouldn't wish that on him no. uh, or on anybody. But we I'm just saying Jay. he has, what, uh, you know, hundreds of rare vehicles in there and and so who knows i bet and, and he's out in california i believe so yeah. you know who knows speculation but that's the fun about myths and le- legends and you know you, you can speculate as to as to the cause of these things so get that haunted car out of your garage jay <laughs> get it out <laughs> well that's what i have for you for this segment boys so uh nice drive topic. safe wear your seat belt and stay the heck away from porsche 550s i wear a thing of garlic around your neck the whole time <laughs> <laughs> And now it's time for the main mystery. (laughs) So here we are, episode 22 of Paranormal Dads. Yes. And we're going with one of the big ones. Oh, we waited a while. (laughs) I can't believe we've gone 22 episodes without this being the main mystery. We've mentioned her several times, you know, over over the, the span of a year. But today we're talking about the Loch Ness Monster. Yes. Better known as Nessie. One of my favorites. You know, it got to be one of the top three or top five, uh, you know, biggest mysteries in the world. And and you look at a lot of the, uh, you know, people will rank the top 10 paranormal things or top 10 cryptids. And Nessie's always right there, top three, right yeah. there with Bigfoot and, um, you know, Lizard Man I've seen. Uh, uh, Mothman's another real popular choice. So what I love about it, and this is again, it goes back to when I was a kid was that it was the probability of Nessie. It was the fact that the environment was such that something just the sheer size of the lake, the lock was big enough that something that size could theoretically exist. That was enough to entice my imagination as a kid. It's an incredible looking place, you know, and it's just looks mysterious. You look at the the photos and any videos of the place, you know, like you said, it's huge. It has the largest volume of fresh water in Great Britain. It, the body reaches a depth of nearly 800 feet. The length of the thing is like 23 miles. Uh, it's a mile across. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's got you often see it with choppy water. It just kind of looks creepy. That's a big yeah. lake. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of long and, and narrow, but it's cold there, too. It is cold. And and that that's one of the things that people like to dispute about 
uh, the ability for Nessie to exist is, um, you know, a lot of the times people attribute it to being, uh, and I, I hope I say this right, a plesiosaur. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently that type of animal would need warmer water. And, yeah. And Nessie wouldn't be able to survive in, in the cold right. uh, depths of, of that lake. But, uh, but just kind of back up a little bit, um, you know, a, accounts of this creature uh, date back 1,500 years. And um, even though there, there, there have been many, many pictures uh, that have been taken of things that go on in the lake, and many, many of them have been debunked, uh, the thing I think is cool about Nessie is that how the community has kind of rallied around the legend yeah. and kept the legend alive. Uh, and just, you know, interviews you hear about people who live there and stories people tell about experiences that they've had at the lake. Uh, a lot of people will say they've almost sensed a, a presence, you know, even though they're standing on the shore, they can sense that something's out there. And it's just kind of cool how um, th there's a very cool Twitter account for uh, it's the uh, let's see if I can find it real quick. It was the it's like the Loch Ness. I think it's called the Loch Ness Center. Yeah, okay. Loch Ness Center, and and it's just kind of almost like a museum. And I think it features a lot of uh, folklore and and things about Nessie. Um, and it's just kind of a fun account to watch on Twitter too, because they'll post things about events going on. Featuring Nessie and and uh, kind of celebrating the legend uh, that is the Loch Ness monster. So a lot of people do kind of speculate it's a you know a plesiosaur mm -hmm. or uh, you know leftover from the uh, from the age of the dinosaurs, and you know those were warm-blooded creatures apparently, and and they would have to have adapted to cold water and cold weather, which would. You know, is that possible over the course of millions of years for a creature to evolve and adapt like that? And then the other thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of creatures who live in colder waters, it slows their metabolism and makes it so that, that they can live longer. There, there's a species of shark uh, called the Greenland shark, I think it's mm -hmm. called, in frigid waters. And those things live three to 400 years. Whoa. And they're massive. Like they eat polar bears. They're, they're huge. And I think, you know, if there is a population of these you know, Nessies, these Loch Ness monsters, it would bode well for them to live a long time to find a partner to breed, to have offspring. So it just, I don't know, it is. And it would almost have to be a population too. It couldn't be a sole creature right. that survived because I mean, just this, the, the, the amount of time that has passed, we're talking 1500 years that you've been hearing yeah. stories about this creature. Um, you know, one creature isn't going to last that long. Um, Probably the earliest written reference to a monster in Loch Ness uh, was from uh, the seventh century. It goes back to 565 AD. Uh, uh, Saint Columba uh, came to the, to the region. Uh, he was on his way to visit one of the kings uh, of the northern Picts. Oh wow! I, I think I'm saying that right. Near Iverness, and when he stopped at Loch Ness. Uh, he confronted a beast that had been killing people in the lake. And so I could just see him on, now. He's probably got like his shepherd's hook or something. Go on, get, get <laughs> out of here. Devil be gone. Get out of my lake. <laughs> darn, darn lizard. 
<laughs> it's like the people you see on YouTube videos. Hey, bear, get away from my canoe, bear. Hey, Go bear, away, bear. Shoe bear. <laughs> eating my canoe, bear. So he, he's apparently St. Columba saved, saved the people from Loch Ness, and he hasn't harmed anyone since, although we might get into that a little later on the flip side of that. Oh. You know? so, but, um, but, you know, sightings also happen... Uh, 1871, a man named McKenzie reportedly saw an, an object resembling a log or an upturned boat wriggling and churning up in the water. Um, the object moved slowly at first and disappeared at a faster speed. Um, and McKenzie actually sat on his story for quite a while. It wasn't until like about 1934 uh, after a pop- popular photo was taken mm. uh, that he came forward uh, gave it to somebody in a newspaper and they kind of went with that story. Um, but Nessie really started taking off the lore of Nessie was, was probably in the 1930s. Uh, they completed a new road that uh, ran along the Loch Ness shore, affording drivers a clear view of the lock. On May 2nd, 1933, uh, a newspaper reported that a couple claimed to have seen an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface of the lake Uh, and then from there interest continually started to grow and i think it was that article they first referred to it as a monster and then right uh you know the next year 1934 is when i was talking about that picture that that's the uh, what, what was the it's name? It's called the surgeon's photo. The surgeon's the, photo. Because the guy who took it or was was involved with that photo, the, it was a classic black and white photo of, right. you know, kind of a long neck and a head coming out of the water. And it, it's called the surgeon's photo because the guy who was involved with it was a doctor of some kind. So if you're thinking of photos of the Loch Ness Monster, this is the one you're thinking of. This is probably right. the most um, significant piece of evidence uh, that, that has been created unfortunately this <laughs> I, and I just learned this like a few months ago I, I must have been living under a rock but in 1994 uh, one of the people who were involved uh, in the uh, this photograph on his deathbed said yeah this was a hoax it was actually a toy like a toy lizard head that they attached to a toy submarine put it out on the lake and snap some pictures yeah. back in 1934. That was their equivalent of Photoshop back then, right? Right. right. <laughs> Let's strap a toy to another toy. So, take a picture. <laughs> Genius. So, you it. know, it, it's kind of sad when, you know, something that, you know, for so many years, I mean, I, I remember I first saw this photo back in the seventies uh, during um, there, there's a, there was I, don't, I can't remember if it was a TV show or a movie. I, it was called Mysterious Monsters, I believe, and it featured Bigfoot. It featured uh, uh, Loch Ness monster, and I think it was Abominable Snowman as well. Mm-hmm. And so they did, had a big piece on the Loch Ness monster, though, and that was probably the first time I saw these these photos. And I just remember it capturing my imagination that wow, this this thing could be real. You know? Yeah. And and when you hear it's a fake, it's just kind of like oh yeah, it take, kind of takes the yeah. air out of your sails, right? Yeah, out of your sails, yeah. So there's a there was a not to change. it's, no. it's in the same vein as this. I, I re- recently saw. I'm trying to think what show it was. I think it's called What on Earth. 
it's like rare, uh, weird video anomalies from around the world. And there was a kind of recently a, in Alaska, a guy who captured video footage uh, from a bridge uh, pointed his camera downward, and it just looks like this kind of undulating serpent, serpentine kind of creature that's estimated to be about ten to twelve feet long. Yeah, it was kind of like there was like ice or snow kind of on the top of it, but it's it's a distinct head and tail, and it's this kind of snake-like movement where it's kind of wiggling back and forth slowly. And they never did. They had, they had video experts analyze it, and nobody can say what that thing is. Huh. So, you know, Alaska is quite a ways from from uh, Scotland, but you have mm-hmm. sightings like this all over the world, and um, it's a it's a it's a big body of water. Well, the presence of something somewhere would then give legitimacy to to another type of thing being in another place. I mean, I, this is where like the whole argument, like I said before, like you're gonna tell me a giraffe is real. <laughs> you know, well, if you had never seen one and someone described it, it's so ridiculous. Right. Why would you believe them? It's ludicrous. Hey, its its neck is longer than its body, and you'd be like, "That's weird. Why would that even happen?" And so, with this type of of creature, the same logic to me applies. First of all, under the water, we don't even know. Like we 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 had our ocean episode, and granted, this is isn't the ocean. Doesn't the lock outlet to the sea though? Isn't that one? Uh, of the... It connects to a river which runs to the ocean. Right. Yeah. The, no, the, the, I think it's the Loch Ness River. So is it is it freshwater? It is freshwater. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, it would be the river that yeah the lake would then feed the river, which then feeds to the to the ocean i guess but but the point being is like i get it just because there's something that's weird exists in one place doesn't necessarily mean it's real in the other but i think it does at least create a possibility for that um and what is a monster but an animal that we just don't know what it yeah. is yeah and and a lot of it um there is quite a bit on misidentification in, in this story. You know, people speculate it could be bird wakes, you know, birds diving under the water to, to fish and whatever, um, making weird waves. Uh, there's eels uh, present in the lake. They could be a large eel. One of the funny ones that I saw, and this was probably more prevalent back in the 30s, was elephants, what? I guess. Traveling circuses often stopped oh. at the lake and allowed the elephants to bathe. So that it could be like an elephant snout coming up out of the water, <laughs> you know, some of the pictures. Um, Greenland shark is another thing that is commonly u- used as, as a, uh, an example of something that could be the Loch Ness Monster. Um, I've also inanimate objects, schools of fish, yeah. uh, trees, um, you know, just wake you know they call them sykes but uh wakes uh which is uh it's based because the lock has a a long straight shape it's subject to unusual ripples affecting its surface um uh, also there's optical illusions optical effects seismic gas um, excuse me. Seismic gas. <laughs> that happens in my house after enchilada night. <laughs> I mean, I've so, also heard that they have uh, accounted some of these sightings to uh, late night raves where they have giant collections of glow sticks. Hit it, Nessie. Hit it, Nessie. We're back. Well, and you can almost picture, you know, ravers, partiers, you know, teenagers at Lovers Lane. 
you know, have a couple drinks. Hey, man, let's uh, let's attach a toy. You let's know, let's fake a monster. Let's take a snap. You put it on Snapchat and, and you Twitter and all that stuff. <laughs> the old timey Snapchat. <laughs> let's put it on yonder, yonder Snapchat. <laughs> but one of the fun stories that that uh, came out of my my research uh, goes back to uh, when, again, in the 1930s, when they were first. Uh, starting to go public with with a lot of the stories several newspapers reached out to a famous uh big game hunter Ooh. a guy by the name of marmaduke weatherell of course <laughs> marmaduke <laughs> and, and if you saw like a picture of this guy <laughs> he looks like he would be named marmaduke he kind of looks like uh I don't know, maybe somebody from the Beverly Hillbillies or yes. something. But uh, a guy, mustache, right? yeah, yeah, and a, you know, hunting hats and so. But anyway, Marmaduke came over to the lock, and, and after a few days of searching the lock, he reported finding footprints of a large four-legged animal. Uh, and um, in response, the newspapers came out and said, "Monster of Loch Ness is not a legend, but fact." You know, big bold right. headline. Unfortunately, some researchers came in after that. Uh, researchers from the Natural History Museum examined the tracks, and they turned out that they were made from dried a dried hippo's foot. Oh, oh. and so hippos what? And, it, circus? No. Well, what? What? Back in the day, they would take, you know, basically like taxidermy yeah. hippos' feet use them as umbrella stands. You know, they'd like carve them, hollow them out or whatever, shove your umbrella in there, set it by the door. So somebody took one of these down to the lock, started stomping it around on the shore. Um, unfortunately for Marmaduke Weatherell, uh, he retreated from public view. The oh, humiliation was a bit too much to bear. And the funny thing is that uh, we're talking about the surgeon's photo. Apparently, he came back and was somewhat involved in staging that photo, trying to kind of revive oh, you know, man. that, hey, there is something there. And, you know, maybe Marmaduke was on to something. Homeboy but, was on a roll. But, yeah, the, somehow he's, he's tied to the surgeon's photo as well. I picture Marmaduke being the type of guy who would find a footprint like that. And, then, and the footprint has a little bit of water in it. And he would drink it out of there, like <laughs> spit it out. <laughs> Yes, the beast is here. <laughs> Hold his finger in the air, exactly. get the wind. Yeah. See a piece of hair and eat it. <laughs> the beast is near. But earlier I was alluding to... You know, somebody get hurt? Somebody getting hurt or killed by oh the Loch Ness Monster. This is going to be... Um, the, there's a gentleman named, by the name of John Cobb. Um, and he was a... Is he from Cornwall? <laughs> I beat you too. We looked at each Let's other see. at the same time. John Cornwall. <laughs> Middle Let's name see, Corn on uh, that? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Middle name No, no he, he was born in Sur- Escher, Surrey. He so. looks like a cob. Look at his... <laughs> so, he looks very anyway. well to do. But Mr. Cobb was a famous racing driver of, of the day. So this is back in... Uh, like the 40s and 50s um and uh he uh it was on uh september 29th 1952 he was at loch ness to set a new speed record of driving a boat and this boat is basically like a jet boat 
I mean, it 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 sounds safe. It, it looks really cool. It kind of looks like one of those old time rockets. You'd see something on Buck Rogers, but, Acme on the but it's got an open cockpit. It's got a couple of little foils off either side to kind of give it some balance. Does it have unfortunately not though? not quite enough balance. So he fires this thing up and he, set, dice. he he he, <laughs> he zips across the lock and he sets one record. So he says, "I'm going to turn it around, take it." try to set another record this going one of those guys he's not good right. enough so he's zipping along and then there was some type of an unexplained wake uh, that, that came right in front of him and hit his uh, boat kind of hit the wake then it kind of took a dive down you see i think it was him go flying out of the boat the boat sunk uh he was killed oh. um <laughs> but it's it's the video is, you can find the video on YouTube. Just look for uh, John Cobb, uh, Loch Ness. I'm good. Uh, uh, actually, they showed this video, and they did quite a good segment on that movie I was talking about, uh, Mysterious Monsters. Yeah. Uh, how, you know, possibly the Loch Ness Monster could have been responsible for turning up the water. Uh, you know, somehow that got attached to Nessie that sh- she killed John Cobb. So... Um, I read a disturbing it, fact It's just the kind of day. an interesting story. I never heard of that one. That's that's a good one. Poor Nessie was just going Poor to Nessie. go get a fish. Yeah. She's just like, <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm going to get a fish. Never thought you'd get hit by a speedboat that day. I heard a disturbing fact the other day, though. It was something, in, it was insane, like 60 or, or 70% of people die while trying to break uh, water speed records in those power boats. Yeah. I'm like, it. why would you even try if the mortality rate's that high? You know, it's pretty dangerous stuff. Anyway, we digress. Well, you but. remember, you know, back in, and this might even be before you guys, but it was it was the early '80s. Uh, Budweiser had Miss Budweiser. I don't know if you remember. I don't that, remember but, that. But it was it was just a really cool looking jet boat. You should. We'll have to look up a picture of it. But uh, it was real popular back in the day, and you'd see it maybe on the wild wide world of sports every once in a while. And then one day it it did crash. Oh no! Yeah, and and that. Chances are there were a number of them, and you know I don't know if more than one of them crashed, but those things get going. Oh yeah, and just any little fluctuation in the waves or the wind, it catches it the wrong way, and those things just they go airborne. There's just it no. It seems like once they it. start to go, they yeah, just yeah. go. They're you dangerous enough it. without being having, having to worry about Nessie, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Got to watch out for Nessies and Sasquatches and those things. But <laughs> I remember coming across a, a special years ago that they had done. Like a, they really tried to steer it towards the scientific, and they were like going after an exhaustive search. They were doing like underwater sonar, like like really high end sonar searching. They found a ton of underwater caves. They really? said that there's an underwater cave system to beat the band. There was just so many underwater caves. They go, there's some, so many caves here that there, if something wanted to just kind of hide, it could. Um, the snake, the 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 giant eel theory became to be more and more popular. Like if there was a Nessie, chances are it'd be more like an eel and less like a plesiosaur. Yeah, that was kind of the thinking. Um, but yeah, it was a very fascinating special. I remember that one. I wonder if that had anything to do with Operation. It was called Operation Deep Scan back in 19, 1987. I think that's it. And um, they actually had like 24 boats equipped with echo sounder equipment, and it was deployed across the width of the lock. So they were just side by side, and yep. they, they just scanned the whole whole place looking for anomalies or um, 
you know, anything that could solve the mystery. Uh, unfortunately, you know, nothing, nothing never really came from it, but you know, it's incredible how much money has gone into, yeah. uh, this search, even though, you know, so many photographs have been debunked as being hoaxes or whatever. Um, there's always just you know, enough pe- people still want to believe and still, yeah. still want to keep the, the legend alive. Yeah. There's a sliver yeah. of hope, you know, there, and just, it just takes one, one sighting to kind of reignite that curiosity with that deep scan. I, I don't remember where I read it, but yeah, they didn't come up with any hardcore data or evidence, but there was kind of a bloop or a blip on one of the boats that it was way, way down. It was mm-hmm. like you know, five, 600 feet down. And there was kind of a radar blip that was about as big as one of their boats. And, and it was there and it was gone. And, and they weren't really sure if it was one mass body or if it was like a, a giant school of fish, they weren't right. sure. And then they, they never did get a good, uh, you know, good explanation for it. But it's little things like that. It's not, it's not uh, conclusive physical evidence, but it's just enough to leave a little bit of doubt in the minds of skeptics. And then the search mm-hmm. continues, you know? Yeah, I mean, fast forward, you know, from from the 80s to 2014, Apple Maps went out and did a photograph. There's a satellite image on Apple Maps that showed what appeared to be a large creature, uh, and some thought it to be the Loch Ness Monster just below the surface of of Loch Ness. Um, At the lochs far north, the image appeared about 30 meters long, which is like 98 feet, which that's, that's kind of extreme. Usually you hear in the Loch Ness Monster, I've heard anywhere from 10 to 30 feet. Yeah, that's, a, that's a bit more common. Yeah. yeah. Um, possible explanations were the wake of a boat uh, with the boat itself lost in the image stitching or low contrast. Um, seals in the lake causing ripples uh, or even, you know, a piece of driftwood. Um, also, uh, not to be outdone by Apple, Google Street View actually commemorated the 81st anniversary of the surgeon's photograph with a Google Doodle and then added a new feature to Google Street View uh, with which users can explore the lock above and below the water. Uh, Google reportedly spent a week at the lock collecting imagery with its uh, Street View Trekker camera, uh, attached it to a boat to photograph above the surface, and collaborated with members of a uh, an underwater survey team uh, to do photographs underwater. Oh so, wow, so let's go on the extra. That mile. could be yeah, that could be That's a lot of level. fun to look at. I don't think the visibility is that great underneath. In, in, in once you're under the water there in the lock, though, it's it's very murky, very murky. dark. Yeah, of yeah. course. And that just leads to the legend, adds to the legend as yeah. well. Man, you know, because so. you watch these documentaries and they get a guy in full you know, diving gear and he goes down, they turn on the light underneath the water and all you see is like, you know, these particles yeah. of s- sand and silt and whatever else is in there. And you're like, Oh, visibility about six inches in front of your face. Right. You know, how are you going to see anything down there? Yeah. There, there was an image that came out of a, uh, an expedition like in 1975 and they shot a lot of underwater, uh, uh, pictures and video and they actually saw what looked like a fin of a plesiosaur and uh you you look at these images and it does kind of look like oh, that wow. but but i think that was later debunked as well you know that somebody was was messing with it it was you know hoaxed i yeah. i i'm of the mindset kind of like what the most recent bigfoot show that i saw said uh, it was saying uh, basically like we feel like 
this is a thing that finds you. Mm-hmm. Like it runs into you. You don't go when you start looking for it. It knows to avoid you. And I start to wonder about Nessie in the same way. Like if there's 24 boats combing a lake, that monster's like I'm hiding. I'm, I'm yeah. out of here. That's that's 24 boats. I'm going down to 800 feet and yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna belly flop on the bottom here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curl up in a cave and not make a peep. You know. But the you know I guess to put a put a cap on it. You know, it's always so much funner, you know, kind of like I was talking about uh, the surgeon's photo when I found out just recently, you know, relatively recently that it was a hoax uh, and I'd never heard that before. Um, it it kind of takes a part out of it when, you know, maybe, you know, just maybe, you know, it's a lot more fun to believe in this kind of stuff than yeah. it is oh, to I say, know. oh, that's it's it's, right. it's fake. Yeah. But when you find out for sure, yeah, that that picture wasn't real you know it just kind of takes oh. but that's why we do yeah. this show is but because yeah. we're the kind of people who want to believe yes and and we we don't hold you know we don't 100 percent believe in in some of the phenomena we talk about but it's like you said it's more fun to imagine what could be than to completely shut the door on it exactly and, stay and, and we hope all of our listeners are the same way oh you yeah know? you know i like to stay open to this stuff <laughs> you know don't shut the door yet unless you drain that lake and explore every single nook and cranny, which can't happen. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a good main mystery to break out. That was awesome. Kind of a perennial powerhouse there. He went yeah. big here, yes. Loch Ness. Yes, I- woo! <laughs> so thanks for listening to our uh, very aquatic ending to the to the show. There, um, any any final thoughts, guys? We uh, gotta always give a shout out to freesound.org for providing us with the music and some of the some of the sound effects for for this show and. Uh, contact us anytime at Paranormal Dads, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Inst- we on Instagram now. Instagram. Yep. So um, and and email paranormaldads gmail dot com. We're always open to feedback, su- suggestions, uh, reviews. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback. Absolutely. And- if you if you like the shows. Uh, and can take the time to give us a review. We'd love to get yes. reviews. Uh, it helps uh, kind of promote the show more and and get our name out there a little more. Uh, reviews on iTunes. We're grateful. On, on the podcast app on iTunes. That's the big one. Mm-hmm. If you can so. give us a review on there. That'd be wonderful. So we'll see you next time, guys. And uh, to all you listening, thanks for listening. It's been fun. Keep your eyes on the lock, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're killing me. (laughs) (laughs) You think we're going to get in trouble for that, too? That's what I was trying to say. Oh, there's our outtake right there. (laughs) Oh, man, my ears. I'm sorry. That was too sound check for that. (laughs) You you went Yosemite (laughs) Sam on us. All right. Here we go. Nailed it! (laughs) Yes! That was awesome. Uh, All right. All right.